the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KDOW. KDOW. Streaming now on smart speakers and radio.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good day. And welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Well, that was a show yesterday. How did it play out? We opened on a green note. We chugged higher. Chugga, 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 chugga. Small caps were leading the way. And then Trump tweeted. I don't even care what he tweeted. I don't even want to talk about it right now. I'll get to that in a minute. He tweeted. The man tweeted and the markets reversed course. Uh, Cron called me. They wanted me on their Cron on at one o'clock at three thirty and on TV at five thirty. When Cron calls me to be on the evening news, it basically is me saying everything will be okay. This is just stupid drama. And it's funny because they're starting to know that about me. They want me to buy into the drama. I don't want to buy into the drama. I'm not buying into this drama. It was a tweet. We'll get to that in a second. Utilities were the only positive sector yesterday. Communication services lost 2%. GE got a Wells notice. That ain't good. They dropped 3.7%. So when you take a look at the market yesterday, the S&P 500 was down 1.4%. The NASDAQ down 1.5%. And it's having a monster year. The Russell 2000 was down one-third of 1%. It was the best of the four major indices. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.3%. So, Trump tweets, stocks fall. I once was at a wedding, and the bride's father tried to steal the show. When she's coming down the aisle, he starts wailing like a a seal dead on the beach, like, (laughs) and then later that night at the reception, He's talking about his pit bull, and he goes, your dog comes to my yard, your dog dead. And I always thought that was kind of funny. Your dog dead. That's kind of what it felt like yesterday. It was a show. It was drama. 
it was one man who is on steroids. And I have to question, should you be tweeting when you're on steroids? I've been on steroids before. And it's crazy the mood swings you feel. I don't know if it was just me. But if he's on an industrial strength one, maybe you should put the phone down. Just my personal opinion. Jerome Powell yesterday was begging lawmakers, begging them to get some stimulus done, saying, if you overshoot it and do too much, it'll be okay. If you undershoot it, we're going to have continuing problems for another year. He was crying, begging. And he's a Federal Reserve head banker. He's not a dumb man. He has a pretty good sense of what's going on in our economy. The Federal Reserve is a group of, let's say, 20 banks around the country. Cleveland and Cincinnati and Miami and and Philadelphia. You get the idea, right? And they get together and they talk about what are you seeing in your region? What are you seeing in your region? And they've kept interest rates low. So when Cron called me and said, can you come on? I took notes. and I just – all my post-it notes I just took down. But – Essentially, I said, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, he's told us he's not raising interest rates for two years, period. He sees the depth of the problem that way. Is he binded by law to do that? No. But sometimes the Treasury starts moving on its own. He can keep them low, but we've been seeing dollars leave the bond market, the Treasury market, and move to the stock market. And you could see it. Because we've gone from 60 basis points up to almost 80 basis points. And then yesterday, a tweet. It's killing me. It's killing me. Uh, so Powell said the. <laughs> Twitter fingers. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Following Powell's remarks, President Trump tweeted that he rejected Nancy Pelosi's $2.4 trillion stimulus plan and wants to stop negotiations until after the election. About six hours later, he says, well, I still want people to get checks, and I still want the airlines built, bailed out, and I still want small businesses helped as well. See the, the craziness that steroids can make you do? And again, I don't know. Maybe it was political. I don't know. Nancy Pelosi's asking for $2.4 trillion to bail out poorly run, high-crime Democrat states. This is his tweet. <laughs> Money that in no way is related to COVID-19. <sighs> I'll say this. When COVID-19 is all said and done... We're going to find that a lot of states spent a lot of money on healthcare issues and went further in debt. At some point in time, debt matters. We could put it off as long as we want. Hey, take a look at the earnings calendar. You know what? which one's coming up that's interesting to me? Um, RPM International? No. Saratoga Investment? No. Domino's Pizza is coming up on Thursday, October 8th. My birthday. Actually, I, I refer to that day as the day my mom squeezed a bowling ball out of her her body. <laughs> that bowling ball being named me. So it's the day that I love my mother. Really love on her. So GE's got a Wells notice from SEC, Securities Exchange uh, Corporation. Um, company was investigated for its accounting practices over the last two years. That's not good. Um. They've been in trouble for five years restructuring a lot of their debt. Remember how I said sometimes debt comes due? It matters sometime. At, at some point, your debts add up. States are getting piling up on debt. And I don't know if Nancy Pelosi wants money to bail out piling up debt. 
I just know that this time next year, we're going to be talking about probably higher state taxes, probably higher local taxes. And that's with the assumption that we get a vaccine. Okay. So what was I going on? Um, Alteryx, a data analytics company, jumped 28% after the company raised its third quarter guidance. That was nice to see yesterday. That kind of like a, a big jump on a day when we're just like discouraged because of Twitter. But Domino's Pizza is going to report numbers on October 8th, and I'm expecting good things. Uh, why? Because still, America gets fatter and fatter. We're becoming big Oompa Loompas during COVID. We were already big Oompa Loompas previous to COVID. Let's see what else is out there. Um, hmm. The FDA plans to have an expert panel review any COVID-19 vaccine application for emergency use and wants to see at least two months of safety data. This is... Our FDA has turned political, and it's nuts. It's crazy. We used to be, the Center for Disease Controls used to be the shining star of the world. And now it's it's being used by, by politics. Can you tell my frustration this morning? So it's unclear whether Trump is walking back his halt the stimulus talks with Democrats, a move which knocked the Dow down 300 points yesterday. The Dow traded up 350 points this morning. Shares of Amazon, Apple, and Netflix, uh, companies that would do well without stimulus, are leading the way. Trump has urged Congress to approve airline payroll support. So you're seeing United Airlines, Delta, all move higher. JP Morgan actually went out and upgraded several companies in the industry. Uh, I think that's what we have for the start of the day. And I'll get into more issues. McDonald's is going to start uh, selling breakfast foods like donuts and cinnamon rolls. Woo! That's all I got right now. I'll be back in a couple minutes. Take care. I'm Rob Black. Find me at robblackshow.com. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Eddie Van Halen died at age 65. He was a pioneer. He opened up dozens of new possibilities for the electric guitar. Wildly inventive and largely self-taught techniques. There's, in many opinions, there's Hendrix and there's Eddie Van Halen. Those two men tilted the world on its axis. The son of a Dutch band leader, Van Halen, was originally a pianist playing at weddings and bar mitzvahs with his family after they immigrated to Pasadena, California in 1962. A prodigious talent, he beat 5,000 students to the first prize in a local piano recital for four years in a row, despite being unable to read a note. Who knew? Um, it's going to be too soon for me to say this, but we're all going to die. 
Uh, if he can die, you can die. Is that fair to say? It's part of a financial plan, whether you know it or not. Uh, many of Van Halen's biggest songs were played on what's called a Frankenstrat guitar. I never had an urge to play guitar. I was more of a drummer. Guitarists, they were too talented. And I, I remember being at a young age going, I'll never be what Eddie Van Halen is, so I don't even want to do it. That's how good he was. Like, he was that intimidating. Anyhow, I'm digressing. Uh, yesterday was a big day for Congress. Stimulus has fallen apart, but also a judiciary committee released a report accusing the world's largest tech companies of using their dominance over the American economy. Likening the once scrappy startups to the kinds of monopolies we last saw in the era of oil bearings and railroad tycoons. That's hard words. Whether Congress can actually act on its findings is a tougher question. But as a person who lives in the Bay Area, the company is being accused. Facebook, Apple, Alphabet's Google, Amazon, they all have big presences within 15 miles of me. It was a 449-page report that was released. All four company investigators examined were, were deemed to be monopolies that have abused their powers. This could end up taking two to three years to play out with courts and maybe somebody like the Supreme Court will eventually get involved with appeals. Um, if implemented, the report's recommendations would amount to a breakup of some of the most successful businesses in American history. It would radically reshape the economy of the internet. Amongst other things, it recommended prohibiting companies that run dominant platforms from competing against businesses that rely on them. This would take Apple out of the app game. It would prevent Amazon from selling products that compete with merchants in its marketplace. This, that's a pretty big statement. Do I think it gets implemented? I don't know. Do I think it's one of the bigger stories? If it does, um, if changes, if everyone isn't made happy, I do think it becomes a very dramatic story. Democrats have been telegraphing its conclusions of the report for months now. Many of the most damaging revelations like internal Facebook communications framing acquisitions as a way of neutralizing threats. Shouldn't have put that one in an email. Don't put that in an email. Oh, you put it in an email. Oh, if we buy Snap, we can put them out of business. It's an old way of doing business. The most ambitious approach to crafting any sort of federal legislation to merge from a Congress that hasn't even been able to pass a much-needed coronavirus relief bill. I don't know if Congress can do this. Um, I don't know. I can tell you it's very dramatic. And if it were to go to infect, and let's say Apple can't um, control the App Store. Let's say that's true. Do I think Apple will make a lot less money? Oh, I think they would lose $100 billion of value. Unless they say, we're going to spin off the App Store into its own business and you're gonna, if you own one share of Apple, you're going to get a third of a share of this new business. 
And then it would make Apple go much higher in stock price because it's unlocking value. Justice Department is expected to file a lawsuit against Google imminently. Now, don't ask me in a month or two if this happens. What do I do with my Google? I'm telling you now, think about what you're going to do with your Google. Are you with me? Are you against me? Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, Side story note of interest today. Beyond Meat shares are rising. After Piper Sandler, an analyst, lifted his share price for the plant-based meat company to 178 from 130. And what was interesting about it was he talked about a vegan food company in the UK, McDonald's, is launching a vegan cheeseburger using Beyond Meat patties. The move presents a substantial revenue, revenue opportunity. Beyond Meat shares recently traded up to $185 a share. Remember that analysts put $178 target on it. Uh, while inflation and various meat cuts could make Beyond's products more attractive on the price of <clears throat> uh, encouraging early adoption, cows cost a lot of money to raise. Chickens cost a lot of money to raise. Plants, eh, it can be done cheaper. So the, the unattractive part about Beyond Meat is you can go to the grocery store and buy a one-pound package, and it's $9.99 a pound. You can go and buy a package of hamburger for $6.99 a pound. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's close. I would, I would stink on that game. Stink on that game, I tell you, on um, Price is Right. You know the one where you have to name stuff in grocery stores? And uh, you have to, I would have to count on the crowd for that one. I know you're saying, that's a fun thought, Rob. Um, I did a little bit of work in, into NVIDIA yesterday. I, I, I think I dropped on you that they're going to be working on a new video conferencing platform, uh, which will match Google and Microsoft on artificial intelligence. Um, Microsoft Teams and Google's Meet, M-E-E-T, speaking of Beyond Meet, Um but there's also a lot of smaller companies out there who want to do video conferencing work. So it's going to be a technology called Maxine. NVIDIA claims that the computer vision techniques will enable video conferencing to work with 10% of the bandwidth typically required. 10% of the bandwidth, that's pretty impressive. It'll give smaller video conferencing competitors the advanced artificial intelligence functionality needed to compete against Google and Microsoft. I like the story. Doesn't mean there's going to be any money in it, but I like the start of the story. I'll keep an eye on that one because that would be a whole new market for them. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. 
It has been a very interesting six weeks. We had four down weeks in a row, then we had one up week, and this week we started probably moving higher until Trump tweeted yesterday. And then another tweet last, well, yesterday we dipped big, bigly, and then another tweet last night, and we're right back to where we were, even 100 points higher. Let's bring Ben Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. I start my day every day with his page one column. It is chock full of great information and insights on the markets. Um, how are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay. Um, hanging in there with all the volatility. <laughs> do you like the volatility or does it stress you out? Um, I do not like the volatility. Uh, I'd say I skew more toward the uh, – uh, in, investor mindset, but uh, I do recognize that you know volatility like this is something that uh, is right up the trader's alley, and, uh, and there's a lot to be excited about in that respect. So, lots going on yesterday, and you referred to it as clap on, clap off. I'd say she loves me, she loves me not, as far as stimulus goes, and <laughs> we're on the same page. What did you make of yesterday's? I'm shutting down. I'm not talking to you. After Steve, after uh, not Mnuchin, but Federal Reserve Jerome Powell basically begged Congress, pleaded with them to get some stimulus done. Within a couple hours, Trump takes stimulus off the table. Well, how did that? How did that go down at your offices yesterday? Well, you know, I think maybe one of the the bigger points that doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, is even in the course of these negotiations where it sounded like the House Speaker and the Treasury Secretary were making some inroads toward getting to some pot type of deal possibly, uh, was that even those no negotiations might have been all for naught anyway, because you certainly weren't getting any strong signals from the Senate Majority Leader McConnell that uh, you know that the Senate was going to be on board with you know a plan that it was, you know, talked about it being, you know, 1.6 to upwards of $2.2 trillion. You know, um, the Senate's skinny version was more in the neighborhood of $500 billion, I believe. And so, um, so I think that, you know, the one, again, the point that kind of gets lost in, in the weeds here is that, yeah, that would have been great if we would gotten some type of stimulus, but the odds of it actually getting through the Senate, I think, you know, we're really quite low and we might have been in the same boat anyway. Just uh, perhaps the president's tweet just you know moved up the, the timeline in terms of headline disappointment. But, uh, you know, the ability to quickly bounce back here uh, obviously is being attributed to the idea that you might get some standalone fiscal aid. But I think, again, uh, the bigger point is that the market is is starting to resolve in its own mind that it will get fiscal stimulus of some kind. It's just a matter of how much and when and uh, who's going to be doing the driving. Good stuff. Um, we got the debate tonight, so a lot of politics still in the news. I personally don't like it when politics bleeds into stock markets. It just makes very uncomfortable speaking for watching what I say and making sure I'm not – upsetting one side or the other um one of the you know angles that you brought up was fed chairman jerome powell it seems like we have his stimulus we have his low cost of money for two more years is that enough or do you think we need stimulus mm-hmm. are you picking up what i'm putting down or can you stretch I, it a little further for me i do sure um 
you know, and I, I share your uh, reticence to talk politics, um, you know, especially in such a partisan culture these days. And um, but, you know, as a market analyst, I mean, the market is clearly being whipsawed by, you know, the stimulus negotiations and the market is uh, suggesting to to us that there is a need for further stimulus. Um, and they think it's been able to get its mind around that as it hears people like Fed Chair Powell and, uh, you know, economists at reputable firms, you know, talk about the impact of there not being stimulus and how it could ultimately prolong the recovery and lead to more permanent job losses and, uh, and, and lower spending activity. And, of course, you know, consumer spending drives the U.S. economy. And so there are real you know, concerns around that. And you can see that in the behavior of, of the market, like on those days when it looks like there isn't going to be stimulus and you, you run into some issues like we did yesterday. Whereas today, now there's talk again that you might see some stimulus and you get a nice recovery-minded trade that sees the outperformance of small caps and cyclicals and value stocks. Um, so that's kind of how I perceive it. Um, as, as uh, you know, the market wanting there to be both fiscal and monetary policy stimulus. I'm not so sure, you know, if if monetary policy is enough to kind of, you know, move the needle considerably anymore. And, and I say that knowing that, you know, it was vitally important at the March lows. And you saw the market respond, you know, so enthusiastically to the notion that you had uh, you know, a very easy Fed, obviously, and then you have the, the you know, the combination of very aggressive fiscal and monetary policy. But um, what we know right now and what the market has come to believe and expect is that the Fed is not going to be running any interference for a long time as it relates to interest rates. And yet the market over the last, you know, six to eight weeks, you know, it's kind of gone sideways in a, in a bit of a, you know, roller coaster range. But but it hasn't been able to really break out. And so it suggests that kind of like the whole thrust of the easy monetary policy has been uh, discounted to a large extent. And now you need, you know, the market, I think, is, is really keen on this idea that the bridge that the Fed has built with that easy monetary policy is going to ultimately lead to a period of where you do get stronger earnings growth. And that can kind of take over as the main driver for the, for the market. Good stuff. <clears throat> Let's talk about the standalone economy, maybe um, with the holiday shopping season coming up. I know Amazon Prime Day is coming up, I believe, on October 13th and 14th. So that's sometimes next week. Um, and then we get the back to school kind of already happened, but we get the Thanksgiving holiday shopping and that will run through Christmas. Do you think there's enough from speaking with the economists at briefing.com? Is there enough in our economy to push um, holiday cheer through the retail sales? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do. Uh, if you look at just simply, I mean, the personal savings rate is 14% right now. Um, okay. So, you know, there's a lot of pent up spending potential there. Um, of course, you know, I say that they have to put a caveat on that is that, um, you know, some of that uh, obviously is going to be, uh, you know, spending out of uh, necessity, right, uh, for some people um, who don't have the income to, you know, spend to wants, you know, they have to spend to need. But at the same time, you know, uh, do think that there's still enough 
spending potential in there to help bolster the discretionary side of things. Uh, and thus far, there certainly hasn't been any indication, really strong indication, that the U.S. consumer is just going to fall off the map. And, uh, and U.S. consumers love discounts, and you can be assured you're going to see them at Prime Day and then throughout the you know, entire holiday period, which will have a different feel to it, but likely one that's con- continued to be accented with positive year-over-year gains in terms of holiday sales. Inside your page one, Mr. O'Hare, you talked a little bit about Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, and Facebook. They're in my backyard. They're all within 10, 15 miles of me, essentially, (laughs) except for Amazon. So there's a lot of housing around here that I know people live in because they want to be close to work. And it concerns me when I start hearing about antitrust issues. Um, But I'm not going to make it about me. Let's make it about the companies. The House Judiciary Antitrust Subcommittee suggesting that the companies wield monopoly power and recommends changes to level the playing field. That essentially means Apple would have to split off its app store um, as a, a basic idea there. What are your thoughts on this? Is this the start of something big, too soon to tell, or Congress moves so slowly these guys are going to outthink them like they always have? Well, I think that there's you know, kind of a wait-and-see mindset to see if you know there's really follow-through. Um, I believe you know, the, the thrust of that view comes from the Democratic side of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, and I think, you know, just today, you know, all those stocks are trading higher. You know, so um, so the market is, you know, and investors are kind of, you know, not, you know, uh, getting roiled so much by the antitrust talk at this level, um, you know, because it also hears some offsetting conversation on the Republican side that, you know, that some of these proposals could be too draconian and, and you know, they wouldn't necessarily be on board with with some of the recommendations. And so um, there's clearly a cloud hanging over these companies. I mean, they're going to have to continue to deal with these antitrust issues. But in terms of, you know, uh, how soon, uh, you know, all of this would come to fruition, I don't think anyone's fearing, you know, anything happening imminently. And uh, therefore, you can kind of sort of continue to take a status quo approach of seeing these as, you know, favored stocks and favored companies that, you um, you know, um, are must-owns for a lot of people. We've got less than two minutes. We've got about a minute. Any last thoughts you want to leave on us to uh, impart your wisdom? Well, the market has been so keyed on, you know, political activities and um, the stimulus negotiations and uh, issues with China and you know, trade and whatnot. And so we're about ready to enter a period, believe it or not, that should hopefully have some sway. And that's the earnings recording season. The market's kind of like look through some pretty bad earnings here, obviously. Um, so it's going to be an important reporting period only because, uh, you know, you want to start hearing these companies project more positive mindsets as it relates to 2021 to help substantiate some of these uh, loftier evaluations. So listeners should really be uh, attuned to that over the next few weeks. Got to cut you off. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news. Thanks. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. What a crazy world we live in. One of the statistics out that came out yesterday in a USA Today poll is that 56% of Americans predict a civil war in the United States if the elections don't go their way. I'm like, really? <laughs> or will we just start watching reruns of Survivor? Or The Bachelor. If the new Bachelor's on, I, I'm not going to Civil War. I'm staying in. Uh, Microsoft said the Trump administration is questioning whether its commitment to promote more black managers violates civil rights laws. Can you believe this is the 21st century and we're talking about that? Big survey was put together from Jeffries. 5,500 people worldwide on determining how COVID-19 has affected consumer behavior. The survey revealed major changes in how consumers are eating, working, traveling, and the implications, uh, the implications, that's easy for me to say, for commercial real estate. Holiday bookings are expected to lag through 2021. Bars and restaurants are slow to come back, and offices may not fill back up for a long time, if ever. There's a lot of information in this, and it spanned countries like Japan, China, UK, the United States, Italy, Germany, Hong Kong, India, Australia, Spain. The findings were pretty um, shocking. Holiday bookings are expected to lag through 2021. Um, they predict business travel will diminish far beyond 2021. Health, safety, and sustainability concerns make business travel, broadly speaking, a thing of the past. Virtual conferences will continue to grow in popularity while airlines and hotels will see a dip. In 2019, around 30% of U.S. travel was for business. If you do the math on that, pull out the abacus, that's $334 billion. Two and a half million jobs. So all businesses are reexamining business travel. CFP Chad Burton was looking at his business travel in the last year, and he's like, whoa, saved a lot of money by not traveling and going virtual. He's not paying that much for the virtual conferences, the conference calls, as he was for the travel. Rocks is paper, right? So the study talked about interest in bars and restaurants. Slow to come back. Eating at home will be indefinitely higher. Um, there were some findings inside this survey about gyms that people just don't feel crazy comfortable with the idea of gyms going forward. And that should help companies like Peloton continue their recent success in revenue. 20% of respondents who went to bars and restaurants before the coronavirus pandemic have yet to return. There's a variety of factors contributing to this with dining restrictions, of course. But Jeffries didn't really say restaurants are dead forever. I think restaurants will have to have higher cleaning budgets going forward. Maybe more spacing issues. Um, but I'm with Jeffries. We're eating at home more. That's a, a, a dang truth. Offices probably won't fill back up for a while, if ever. On average, consumers expect um, an extra half day per week. What's that mean? Given how many cannot choose between work from home at all, office-type workers seem likely to do a whole extra day of work a week. At home, 
Um, this would obviously change city transport and office space. It would change pay instead of making a hundred K a year. Part of that was considered, you know, Hey, thanks for coming into work and sitting at a desk all day. Maybe they'll pay you 80 K. But working from home plans, um, people expect that going forward. So maybe if you were going into work four days a week, taking Friday's work from home, then you're gonna be going into work three and a half days a week and taking a day and a half working from home. Not the most compelling story, but again, it's telling you that there's going to be pre-pandemic ways of doing business, there's going to be pandemic ways of doing business, and there's going to be post-pandemic. Wow. <clears throat> um, interesting stuff in my book. Let's go back to McDonald's real quick. I find the McDonald's versus Starbucks fight to be one of the better fights. I don't really see McDonald's going up against Wendy's. That's not a fair fight. I see McDonald's and Starbucks as two companies that I think you could own both. And that would be all the restaurants you need. McDonald's is adding baked goods to its permanent menu for the first time in more than eight years. Customers will be able to get an apple fritter, a blueberry muffin, or a cinnamon roll. The McCafe bakery items will be available all day long. Um, through the years, we used to go to Starbucks for coffee, and then they started adding sandwiches, and then they started adding breakfast sandwiches, trying to get us in there for breakfast. Breakfast sales are big. The more you can get people in your store, you got the idea, right? McDonald's breakfast sales have been under pressure as people are WFHing. What is WFH? Working from home. This disrupts the commute. This disrupts breakfast habits, and people are eating at home more which goes back into that survey of this could be a, a real thing. Meal transactions at major restaurant chains fell 18% pandemic levels versus pre-pandemic levels. Lost breakfast sales accounted for more than half of McDonald's same-store sales declines in May. So breakfast is super important. Now, keep in mind, Wendy's did launch a breakfast menu nationwide. Um. Breakfast sales account for about 8% of Wendy's overall U.S. sales. But I see the real fight between McDonald's versus Starbucks. Um, I don't like McDonald's food. I don't go, this is the best thing I've ever had. But they've been selling burgers and nuggets basically since I was a baby, if not before I was a baby with the burgers. They're, they're sticking around. Starbucks should stick around. I don't see a new flavor of coffee beating them. Every now and then we get like a Pete's coffee or Phil's coffee. But it doesn't feel right to say it's anything but what it is. McDonald's versus Starbucks. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.